Welcome to Proudly Asian, a podcast series that tells bold and proud stories of Asians by Asians. I'm Isabel Wong, a financial journalist who wants to uncover the many Asian stories around us that are waiting to be told. There's never just one way to look at Asians. This podcast will take you through a deep dive into the life stories, struggles, and triumphs of young Asians around the world. On today's episode, we have Coco Alexandra, a Scottish Chinese certified so coach and entrepreneur who is the co-founder of Hong Kong PR agency Voltage X. She's a prominent change maker in the Hong Kong wellness and mental health space, and she talks to us about setting boundaries in life with the Asian context. Welcome to Proudly Asian. Now, for this episode on the show of Proudly Asian, we always talk about the proud achievements of Asians from around the world. But a very key part about achieving or succeeding in life is that there are also moments of struggles. And one of the most common struggles for a lot of Asian professionals around the world is setting boundaries at home. At work or with friends. So in this episode, I'm so glad that we have Coco with us to talk about some of the practical tips or some of the advice that she has around setting boundaries in. Different aspects in life because she's this very successful girl boss. She's a soul coach and she's also a kick-ass mother. So definitely, we have a lot to learn from her. So welcome to Proudly Asian, Coco. How are you? Thanks, Isabel. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Great. And before we dive into the conversation, I know our listeners from around the world. Um, some of them might want to know a little bit more about what you do and your background. So I'm just wondering if you could briefly tell us about who are you, what are you, and where did you grow up? Absolutely. So I'm Coco Alexandra. I am actually half Scottish, half Chinese. I was born in Canada. I grew up in Hong Kong. Was in the U.S. for a few years for school, um, but Hong Kong is definitely home. So I came back when I was 19, and I started my PR career then. And so now I am an entrepreneur. I am a co-founder of one of Hong Kong's top digital and PR agencies called Voltage X, and the co-founder of a new multifunctional event space called Victoria 22, and a founder of Coco Alexandra. Holistic Consulting, which is one of my passion projects, and as you mentioned before, I am also a mom to a very energetic three-year-old. And you are also a book author, right? <laughs> yes, I am.、Um, I recently just published a book、um, in July, and we just hit number one Amazon bestseller. So super excited about that. Wow! Congratulations! And just to briefly talk about, since you mentioned you are half Scottish, half Chinese, so you also moved back to Hong Kong at nineteen. So I'm just wondering, what was your experience like as a mixed race kid in Hong Kong, and did that inform any sort of like life decisions that you made subsequently? Any like values that you've picked up along the way? I love being mixed because、um, you kind of get the best of both worlds, right? <laughs> But I think also、um, in the '80s and '90s, I was one of the few, you know, mixed kids in school, and so I think one thing that really stuck with me was、um, 
this feeling of not really belonging in either or, because I think for a lot of my Asian friends, I was always too white, you know, and then for my white friends, they'd think, oh, I'm too Asian. So I think there was definitely a big part of me growing up um, in my adolescence where I was kind of questioning, who am I? Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? And um, it continued when I was in the U.S. because, again, people were like, oh, what are you? Who are you? And it wasn't, I think, until when I was about 22 that I kind of really found my footing and um, kind of reframed it. And I'm like, actually, I get the best of both worlds, right? Um, I love my Asian part of me. I love my Scottish side of me. And I try to use them both to the best of my abilities in everything that I do. Yeah, that's definitely a common theme that among a lot of guests who come on to Proudly Asian, because some of them, they just don't appear to be what they look like, or they are like Asians who grew up outside Asia. And when they move back to Asia, they are in shock in the sense of how people expect them to speak and behave. But then, of course, this is part of the conversation. But then a key part of this episode is to talk about setting boundaries with the Asian context. Because (laughs) I mean, for a lot of people who have grown up in an Asian family, they know setting boundaries is something that we don't talk about. (laughs) We never knew this concept existed until maybe the conversation opened up a little bit in the past few years. And I also know that you recently shared on your IG stories about a recent incident that inspired you to talk about setting boundaries with your audience. And that also gave me the idea, it's like, ah, it's so important to talk about that. (laughs) But I just want to know if you could give our listeners a bit of context, you know, um, what happened that day and why was it not okay? Yeah, absolutely. So it was a really simple interaction. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I have a three-year-old toddler and it was, you know, parent, teacher, student orientation day. And um, as we were leaving the school, there was a very passionate parent that whom I've never met before, who just kind of ran over to me and she was just kind of in my personal bubble and she was very excited. You know, she wanted to get my number. Um, and I gave it to her at that moment, um, thinking, Oh, maybe, you know, she wants to plan a play date with my child and I, cause we live in the same area. But then right away she added me to a group chat and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so that, was something that I personally don't like because um, in my line of business, I already have many, many group chats. I don't like being added to group chats without my consent. And so very immediately and gently, I said, thank you for adding me into this group chat, but please um, take me off of it. I'm not comfortable being in a chat group with other people that I don't know. Um, if you do want to, you know, plan play dates with me and my daughter later, because my daughter and your daughter become friends, that's great. You can personal message me, but I don't need to be a part of your chat group. And, um, I think, you know, she was a little bit surprised, um, which is okay. You know, like I think when we set boundaries, sometimes people aren't aware of some of the actions or maybe the things that they say, because it's just so kind of routine sometimes. (laughs) Um, and so it was just a really simple interaction, but I also feel it's very relatable, right? Like sometimes people just do things that I don't think about it. Um, and when it's done, then the other side just you know, needs to voice out what's okay for them and what's not okay for them and speak up. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the hardest part is for like small incidents or like moments like these, right? Like people tend to think that, oh, maybe I should just say yes, or maybe I should just go along with it. So I don't appear to be, you know, the troublemaker or like I don't appear to be the person who's not nice. And I think this is when most people would just go along and decide to say yes to things that they didn't even want to do. Yeah. But one aspect I would like to ask is setting boundaries in families because mm. we all know this is something that people who grew up in um, an Asian family <laughs> don't talk about. We are so scared of like what even is setting boundaries in family in an Asian family, right? And especially with parents, it's never so clear cut because they can always tell us that I'm your mom, like I gave birth <laughs> to you and you can't say no. But in recent years, I've been seeing a lot of online communities or conversations that started talking about setting boundaries um, in families. So I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about this. Absolutely. I can literally talk for hours about this topic. <laughs> I think the first thing to you know be aware of is um i don't know how old you are i'm 37 and so you know the generation above me is about like my parents are in their 60s 70s right and so i think one thing to be more aware of as you know children <laughs> um is that our parents didn't learn about boundaries from their parents, right? Thinking about like, you know, they went through the world war, um, their life span was always about life with death. Like if you don't do this, it's like you die. If you do this, then you survive. It's always like survival of the fittest, right? And so their mentality is very different, their grandparents. And so that's what they teach our parents, right? But then it gets to our generation where like, oh, okay, we didn't have to experience a war or anything, but we have like this new type of lifestyle. And I think we are kind of like those generational breakers who are like, okay, parents, like we need to stop this cycle of overstepping, over speaking, over whatever, you know, and just kind of um, set the ground rules with them. And I think it's a little bit more difficult in Asian families and Asian cultures because I think I'm generalizing, by the way, of course, um, a lot of Asian families kind of live together, grow up together. There's no personal space, one. <laughs> and um, everyone's always in your business. That's just kind of how Asian families are, right? And so you need to be aware of that, one. Um, but you also need to have a sense of bravery and confidence to be that one person who speaks up and be like, hey, guys how much weight I've gained over Chinese New Year is not table talk. Sorry. Let's talk about something else. Like having that level of awareness and confidence to actually say something and not thinking about, oh, but, you know, maybe they'll just shut me down. That's another issue, right? If they shut you down, that's on them. But at least you spoke up and you said what you needed to say, right? I think when it's coming to setting up boundaries, I think one really big thing that always comes up with my, all my clients is that, Oh, but I don't want the other person to think that like I'm disrespecting them or like I don't want them to think that like I'm not being nice or blah, blah, blah. But babes, like it's not about being nice or not. Just remembering like the boundaries that you set is a container in which you set to protect yourself, whether it's energetically, emotionally, or even your time. Right. And when you set those boundaries, it's this invisible line that you show people what you're OK with and what you're not OK with. OK, for example, if 
you have a colleague who calls you at 3 a.m. in the morning. Do you pick up? Because what's going to happen if you pick up once is that in their mind, they're going to remember, oh, Izzy just picked up the phone at 3 a.m. That means I can call her tomorrow again at 3 a.m., right? Because you didn't put up that boundary. You didn't tell them that, oh, no, you can't call me at 3 a.m. You can call me at 7 after I've been awake, right? And it's similar with parents as well because they're so used to being the parent and telling you what to do. Um, I think for me personally, it was a lot easier for me to set boundaries with my parents after I became a parent, because honestly, the invisible mental load just gets so much. And like, I love my parents to death, but sometimes I'm like, Hey guys, sorry, I'm busy this weekend. I'm going to call you tomorrow instead, you know, and it's no hard feelings. It's just that we need to be able to verbalize it and share, you know, and um, give them an alternative instead of just saying no. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like setting boundaries is a muscle that needs to be trained. um, Because like, um, if you set boundaries for the first time, it might be uncomfortable for people around you. But then if you do it the second time, third time, they would start learning that, oh, he or she usually doesn't prefer this and that. And that's how you could set boundaries. And I also remember a long time ago, I think as an Asian kid myself, right, I would think that I could never get angry at the decisions that my parents made. Mm -hmm. But then I remember there was this minor incident where I just got so upset with my mom. And I told someone that, oh, I'm so angry at her, but I I just couldn't be angry at her because I'm her daughter. But then that person was like, why not? Why can't you be angry? Why can't you own your emotions? And I think at that moment, just something clicked with me. I was like, oh, wow, actually, I'm allowed to express my emotions with my family members. And I am allowed to say no when things that they say aren't okay. So that's kind of like a moment of enlightenment for me. But yeah, definitely, we could dive deeper into that a little bit later. But you just briefly mentioned, you know, setting boundaries with colleagues is also very important. And it's also for a lot of us, we spend a lot of time with our work family. And so setting boundaries or learning how to is very important. So I just want to know, I know that you have worked in a PR agency environment, which is known to be a very demanding work environment. So I'm just wondering if you have any top tips on how to navigate in this type of work environment? Have you ever feel burnt out um, in your career? Absolutely. Um, I share this with anyone who will listen and anyone who will ask. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so you know, when I started out in PR, you know, I was just like a langmoy. I was just a little kid, a little girl, right? So I was kind of like a yes woman. And I think, you know, being a PR professional, you're serving and, you know, taking care of so many different clients, you're reporting to your supervisor, you're, you know, schmoozing with media and influencers. And so there's a lot of things you have to do and you have a lot of juggle. And yeah, I definitely reached a place of burnout. I literally collapsed and went to the hospital twice because of overexhaustion. And that was my biggest wake up call. And that's actually how I started my wellness journey to take better care of myself. Um, And so I guess my tips for workplace boundaries is one, be radically honest with yourself. Like what industry are you working in? Like if you are a service-based industry, then your boundaries may need to fluctuate a little bit. Um, If you are a business owner, then I think that's where you can really set a really sturdy and strong framework 
boundaries for yourself and for your colleagues. Um, if you are working in a, you know, banking environment, again, um, I feel like in any industry, you can set your own boundaries and then also just be a little bit more lenient on kind of some moving parts, you know, um, for whenever the surprises come up. Um, so I think time boundary is something that I always share with people. Um, because everyone has a different energy level, right? Um, some people are night owls. Some people really need eight hours of sleep. And so like, what are you willing and not willing to do? Just get really radically honest, right? Like if your boss says, hey, can you work for the next two weekends? Like, is that like a deal breaker for you? Because if it is, just say, I'm sorry, I'm not willing to work for the next two weekends, but I'm willing to work overtime Monday to Friday for the next two weeks, if that's what you need. You know, I think when it comes to boundaries, it's not just like a solid, no, I'm not going to do this. Right? It's more of like, I'm not okay with what you're asking, but here's another solution that I'm willing to think of. Or if it's a hard no, you can also say it's a hard no. Are there moments when you had to set boundaries with your clients and how do you do that yeah absolutely i think the easiest thing to do is like even when you're just onboarding the client to be very very clear with them about what your normal practices are i think especially in the pr environment people just assume like oh i'm paying your retainer so you should be on call for me 24-7, which is not true, y'all. <laughs> um, so what we normally do is when we onboard a new client, we say we are available Monday to Friday, 9 to 7 p.m. Any other times, you are welcome to message us. We will message you and get back to you the next day. If you call us or email us on the weekend, we'll get back to you Monday morning. If it is life or death, we will answer, but only on special occasions. That's what we say to our clients. And normally most people respond to that. There have been one or two clients where, you know, they kind of pushed it a little bit, but, you know, I spoke to them privately and they're like, oh yeah, sorry, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Again, we need to remember some people are just on autopilot and they're used to their own routines and way of doing things. And so when you set a boundary and they overstep, most of the times it's not because they're not respecting your boundaries. It's just that they're so into their own momentum and their own ways that they forget about, oh, other people might have a different working style or a different schedule, et cetera, et cetera. So sometimes we need to reinforce those boundaries and say it again. One very um, useful tip that I've picked up along the way when it comes to working with clients is that it's just a very simple sentence. Like if clients are making some unreasonable requests, you could always say, well, it's part of the policy that we do or we don't do a certain things a certain way or at a certain time and normally when you say it's part of the policy that's when they would sort of maybe right like this is their usual practice which resonates with and um, what you just mentioned there so yeah yeah I hope everyone would find this tip useful I mean like it's not just about completely saying no to everything it's just like you know saying no to an, an option that's not really an option for you and then you provide an alternative solution that is uh, more authentically yourself absolutely when it comes to like showing up 
at work authentically. Another topic that shows up a lot is rising to leadership as an introvert. Because while I haven't done any scientific research about that, I'm pretty sure that you know not all leaders are extroverts. Mm-hmm. There are some who are introverted. So this topic really comes up a lot whenever I work on workplace diversity, equity, and inclusion projects, where um, some business leaders based in Asia they would usually talk about how like in meetings or especially virtual meetings they just appear to be a lot quieter and not as talkative as their other counterparts who are based let's say in the states or in the UK which sort of sparks the discussion of whether or not you must act a certain way do you have to be so chatty in order to appear to be a a competent leader so I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts in this sense as well like how to lead authentically I think this is a great question and I kind of just want to like break this mold and bias like there is no one way to lead you know every successful leader has their own characteristics and unique skill sets that make them a good leader like just look at all of the different you know chief executives in Hong Kong look at all the presidents in the U.S. like they're all such different personalities but I feel like As a leader, it's really important for you to be able to connect with your team and find a way that works for you, right? But also a pathway that supports your team and being motivated and stick at the team. Um, So it doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted. I feel like there's always different ways to maneuver around that. I mean, for instance, like my husband is super introverted um, and we both run the business together. I'm obviously an extrovert. (laughs) We do things very differently. And I think it's beautiful because we balance each other out and there's always a different way to do things. We all always need to fit into like a mold where society's like, oh, you must be a leader because you're so extroverted and you're so good at talking. The other aspect about setting boundaries that I would like to get your opinion on is obviously setting boundaries in relationships, like be it (laughs) romantic or friendships. But I'll start off with an observation that I've made um, in terms of setting boundaries in friendships, because... Among my friends groups, some friendship fallout examples that I've heard of that I've seen are always surprisingly around like a common theme, which would be like two friends who are so, so close and become almost inseparable. And one day one person just gets really angry about a small incident. But later on, we find out that the person didn't just get angry over one small incident. It's because the person has been putting up with a lot of small incidents that the person finally blows up. And from then on, the two friends are no longer, you know, on talking terms, which is a shame. And my read into that situation is probably one of the friends has repeatedly crossed the line or shown no respect for the person's boundaries and thinking they're so close. And I guess this could sort of maybe apply to romantic relationships as well. I'm just wondering if you think this observation is the cause of most fallouts in relationships or do you have any other thoughts about this? Absolutely. I think it's a lack of boundaries and also a lack of communication. And um, I'm also going to generalize. I think, you know, working with a lot of Asian clients and being raised in an Asian family myself, I think communication has never been something that is um, a strong suit um, in our culture. I think like we talk a lot, but when it comes to emotions, um, we Many of us have maybe been taught to maybe just kind of suck it up, you know, 
brush it under the rug. Like, oh, we don't talk about those things, you know, like, or just like deal with it, you know? And so like from a psychological point of view, from zero to seven, if we have been shown or repeatedly been been hearing these types of conditionings and beliefs, then we take them on as our own. And whoever is raising us, um, whether it's a caregiver or parent or, you know, whomever, if they're also exampling these type of um, behaviors, then we take them on as our own again. And so if we don't realize and we're not aware of these patterns, then they roll into our adolescence and then into our adult life. And then guess what? These traits then spill into our friendships or romantic relationships our relationships at work um, until one day it just kind of blows up in your face, which is kind of like what you basically just said, right? Like someone's overstepped boundary, the other person was just swallowing it and swallowing it and swallowing it and just not saying anything until that jar just got so overflowing and then it just went bam, right? <laughs> Um, and that's what happens a lot. And so it's not just lack of boundaries. I feel like it's um, lack of communication as well. I mean, for myself, in terms of MBTI, I'm an ENTJ. So I'm someone who is so comfortable sitting someone down to have that difficult conversation. But especially, you know, after moving to Asia, I realized that just because I'm that person who sits people down to have that uncomfortable conversation, it doesn't mean they actually react positively um, yeah. to that. <laughs> like, actually, a lot of people are uncomfortable with confrontation, you know, so also like the delivery really makes a difference too like instead of you know like I, I know you mentioned about you know friend groups like having these quarrels but um I mean I have friends who do the same but it's how you deliver that confrontation or that intervention or that talk that I think makes a world of a difference like if you make it about you or like you know I feel really that 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 when this happens is there something we can do to resolve this because it's been really you know pulling its weight on me it sounds a lot better than like Izzy you know last time when you did that you really upset me it's like kind of pointing the finger and making it the other person's fault um so I think how you communicate them how you deliver it is very important as well yeah it took me a few years to learn that I used to just like explode but now I would just sit down and talk from like a third person point of view it's like hey I see that we have this problem happening as a team, how can we solve this? And I think usually this kind of discussion ends up being a lot more productive. Absolutely. You know, we talked a lot about setting boundaries with workmates and also within a family, but I'm just going to ask you, you know, as a mother <laughs> of a three-year-old toddler, does setting boundaries in parenting exist? Gosh, um, I'm still... Uh, working that out. But yes, there definitely is. But I think um, being a first time parent, like I think the first year is just so difficult because like they're just so freaking cute. And, <laughs> you know, um, I think it's easier now because she's three years old and she's very coherent and she's uh, very grown up actually she's kind of absolutely like a teenager sometimes um but yes there are boundary settings in parenting um and maybe it's not so much like um work stuff but it's more like kind of teaching them and exampling to them that like babe i love you we have mommy daddy 
and Harper time, but we also get mommy and daddy time. You know what I mean? So that's like our boundary because I think going into our marriage and when we got pregnant, I think one of the biggest conversations that I had with my husband was like, look, we're about to have a kid. We don't know what it's going to be like, but I think the most important thing is that you and I have to be rock solid because we're the foundation of the family. And if we're good, then we know everything else is going to be good. Right. And so having that conversation at an early age with my daughter, I think has been really great because then, and no judgment with, you know, to other parents or whatever, this is just what works for us. Um, like we do want to make sure that, you know, we have that one-on-one time together, but also we have that parent to child's time as well as a family. And so that's been working really well for us. And then also there's like, boundaries for TV time. There's boundaries on like, um, sleeping, you know, and like eating junk food. There's so many types of boundaries in parenting. It's like, I just can't wait to see what else comes through in the next week. Now I'm going to juggle all of that. Yeah. But I must say that, um, you basically start her young and I hope that, you know, um, through, observing how you communicate with her that will also eventually influence her communication styles with other people and that will be so helpful in a sense of like setting boundaries with her friends or at work you know later on in her life so absolutely and it's just like what you said earlier right like it's like training up a muscle and it really is like because we have these neural pathways in our brain right and it's like building that habit day by day so that neural pathway becomes strengthened and stronger and so over time it's just like like, you know, second nature to you. And so the earlier you example that to your children, they pick up on that, right? And so they'll start mimicking and mirroring it. Yeah. And so like, I even see her with her play date sometimes like she's like okay these are my toys. These are my favorite toys. You can play with those ones, but not these ones. Okay. <laughs> like, so I'm like, yeah, you go girl, you tell them. <laughs> like she's not being like greedy or like, you know, blah. she's just like, well, I, you're here at my home. There's so many other toys. You can play with those ones, but these ones are really special to me. And I don't want other one people playing with them. That's her boundary, you know? And she set that boundary. So like when I saw her do that, I was like, damn, I'm so proud of you, girl. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean that's right like you know a lot of people when it comes to like setting boundaries they would be like oh like I've never done this in my life like I'm not going to be good at this but again like using the example of working out before you start working out you would think that you know you can't do that but you just need to build that habit you're not going to get fit overnight exactly There's no miracle gym pill that you can take to get those abs. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, it's time for us to move on to the next segment, which is called Rapid Bias. And in this segment, I'll be asking my guests biased questions that they have got asked at some point in life. And for this episode specifically, common questions people who don't respect boundaries usually ask. So, Coco, are you ready? Let's go, girl. All right. First question. Can I get on a call with you now? I'm busy right now, but you can call me tomorrow at 10. And next up, I need you to work on this over the weekend. I'm not available this weekend. I will finish it before the weekend. Third question. You will be fine to get the bill, right? You didn't mention that I was going to get the bill. Let's go 50-50. 
And finally, the group has decided to go with this. I assume you're fine with it, right? Actually, that's not something that I really do. Why don't you guys go ahead this time, and when you do something that I enjoy, I will join for sure. Oh my God, Coco, you're on fire! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for playing this round of rapid fires. I hope our listeners learned something from the way that you answer those questions. Now, to conclude the episode, for our listeners who would like to learn more about your work or even reach out to you for help, how can they get updates from you? Where can they find you? I think the easiest way is to connect with me on Instagram at I am Coco Alexandra, I A M C O C O. A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-A. I'm pretty good with getting back to DMs. Um, I also have my own personal website if you're looking for more boundaries work or healing and shifting those wounds at CocoAlexandra.com. And to end the episode, I just have one final question for you, Coco. In your view, what does it mean to be proudly Asian? You know, it's so funny. My Asian pride runs so deep. I used to do this AP hand gesture all the time when I was a kid. Um, and, you know, I'm really proud to be Asian because I think because of my Asian culture and upbringing, like I've always had this value of family first. Like it doesn't matter what time of day it is. I doesn't matter like if we're super busy like if family asks me to be there and if we're having a family dinner I will clear my whole night to be there because family is just really important like putting aside all the you know interesting fibs here or like fights there like at the end of the day we're still family and family is thick as blood and so yeah always family first for us nice thank you so much for joining us on proudly asian coco it's nice to have you Thank you so much for having me. I hope that was helpful for your listeners. That's it for this episode of Proudly Asian. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at proudly.asian for more content. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review on wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and signing off for now. I'm Isabel Wong. Oh, 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 oh,